0: Thank you, sir. All right. Well, Dennis did a pretty good job introducing us. So we don't have a ton, ton to say, but we do have a picture of our family. I'm not sure if you saw the boys lying on the ground in the front, but those are were our kids. Uh, this is us. We just had family photos professionally done. So you get to see them. <laughs> uh, my oldest son, Silas, he's almost six years old, and our younger son is Ezra. And like you said, I'm the lead pastor of Antioch Community Church. Uh, my husband, Tim, is on our leadership team and on our teaching team, which is why he's up here today. Uh, John reached out and said, hey, do you want to preach? And I said, uh, can Tim preach? <laughs> uh, I have different teaching giftings. Tim's a very good preacher, so I get to reap the benefits of that this morning, and you got to get to hear from him as well. So he's joining us this morning. Um, our Antioch Roxbury, want to paint you a little picture of our church community, because I, uh, we are a house church network. Katie, sorry, Katie just came back from Colorado all summer, uh, I think you got, Dennis already stole by thunder, or I was going to say, hey, if you're here from Antioch, Roxbury, stand up, I think that already happened, um, but house church looks like sitting in a living room or a park, uh, it looks like kids leading our prayer times, and it looks like baptizing people in Houghton's Pond, or in uh, pools in people's backyards, uh, blow, blow up pools, not, not permanent pools, uh, to give a little picture of what we what we do, um, we are a multiplying house church network. And over the past, I think three years now, we've kind of multiplied and come back together a few times. We're seeing this might be just part of the life span of house churches. And so right now, we're meeting as one group on Sunday mornings. Um, In some backyards or the park or whatever it looks like, um, which is why my kids are lying on the floor. They're not very used to this. (laughs) Sorry. Um, And so that's a little bit about us today and about uh, Antioch Roxbury. I wanna give you our little intro of what we're talking about. We get to close out this first summer of three summers in Rome. And so we've been doing a lot of listening to sermons and reading people's notes to kind of catch up on your entire sermon series this summer uh, as we come in and close it down, and it's, it's really an honor to be here. Um, our thesis for today is this. In order to operate in the newness and fullness of life in Christ, we need to, one, know how we were saved, two, why we were saved, and three, for whom we were saved, one, how we were saved, two, why we were saved, and three, for whom we were saved. So those are the parts we're going to go through this morning.
1: Um, thank you, Alyssa. That was great. Uh, so, again, Romans is really near and dear to our hearts. Uh, I can still remember just over six years ago, sitting in church over in Waltham for an encounter night. We were worshiping, and I felt like God was saying, you need to meditate on Romans 8, and went through the training school that year, focused on Romans 8, was trying to memorize it, didn't quite get through all of Romans 8, but a lot of the core messages there were very foundational for us over in Roxbury, and I think you'll see some of them today as we go through Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. So that was really key. Again, we've been listening to a lot of the the sermons this summer, been also experiencing sort of a similar leading from the Holy Spirit, similar emphasis on prayer and worship in this next season. As you were hearing from Dennis earlier, we are a part of the spiritual inheritance of of Brighton, very much tied to Brighton. Alyssa's going to share a little bit more about that later. And before I even heard John's sermon on salvation or on the word Savior, before he started to wax eloquently in French about this lifeguard, uh, the two words for lifeguard in French, uh, I already had this picture from Holy Spirit about being saved from water, almost like in this sort of drowning circumstance. So that's, that's where this picture comes from in the background of some of these slides, if you're wondering, like, what's going on there? Um... That's, that was the main inspiration, along with a little help from a tool called Mid-Journey. I won't get into that now, but speaking of help, uh, we're not going to invite people. Uh, we had some kids well, who were going to come up to welcome read. Welcome
0: to house church.
1: We were going to invite some <laughs> kids up to read Dangerous. the passage, but Alyssa's going to read the passage.
0: <laughs> we were going to have some kids read this morning, but we like to kind of roll with the punches in house church. We're not very uh, produced. Sorry about that. I'm going to read our, verse, our passage today. This is Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation.
1: Amen. Thanks be to God. So you'll notice in that passage, we see the word, we... This first person plural shows up a lot, and I think that's important for us today as we focus on this passage. It's easy for us in the Western church to take a very individualistic approach, to think this is just applying to me in my own personal walk, but really Paul is addressing the whole body of believers in Rome. So thinking about that, this, this plural context, we're all working together in community here, I wanted to, again, remind us of our thesis before we get into some of these main points. So again, we're focusing on the mission of operating in the newness and fullness of life in Christ. In order to do that, we need to know how we were saved, why we were saved, and for whom we were saved. So let's start with how we were saved. Been hearing a little bit about the problem of sin throughout the summer. I really love how Becky has illustrated that for us through those songs, right? And it's a really heavy problem throughout the beginning of Romans. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then we're also learning about the free gift of grace. That's where this glimmer of light, this hope starts to come up in the middle of Romans here. We also heard a little bit about how this is through grace alone and faith alone. A little bit of Martin Luther's mic drop, right? You heard about that a a few weeks ago. And in the, the last chapter, hearing specifically about the trusting relationship of faith that Abraham had walking with God, where he was willing to obey God even if it cost him the life of his son, essentially. So we need to look at some of these these key words that show up in this particular passage. There's a lot of complicated uh, sort of Christianese or jargon that shows up. I know you've been unpacking some of these, like grace and faith. In addition to those terms, we have a few more that show up in this passage. So we're looking at justified, hope, suffering, glory. In order to unpack just a few of those terms, typically when we start talking about justified or we're talking about the different phases of salvation, there's some confusion about, well, what's this justification thing? And then what's sanctification or glorification? How do those terms relate to each other? These are essentially phases of of salvation. So we know that in the past, you were justified by Christ's death and resurrection. We have access to that through faith, by grace. So you've been made right. Another child's definition of justified is just as if I'd never done anything wrong. That's one way that you can think about justification. The price has been paid by Jesus. We have access to this through faith. Sanctified. This is what we're going through after justification. We are currently in this process of, of being made holy, being made like Jesus. This is a lifelong process of being more like Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. That's sort of the present. the future, we look forward to the glory that will be revealed to us when we are in heaven with Christ, when we are made new. Christ says, behold, I am making all things new. He's promised us to make a new heaven and a new earth. So this is The hope that we have, we look forward to the glorification of seeing Christ face-to-face without a veil. So I do want to unpack some of those terms as we think about this salvation journey that we're on right now. I was thinking about some of these terms and was talking to God about this in my quiet time and I said, God, what do you want to talk about? These are great words, right? These are really interesting. We could nerd out on these all day. Uh, But God said, I want to talk about love, Tim. And I was like, come on, love? This isn't 1 Corinthians 13. This is Romans 5, and he said love. I said, okay, well, where does love show up in this passage? If you look at verses 7 through 8, it says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, so perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I know some of you have probably heard this verse like a thousand times, or maybe it's brand new. Either way, it should rock us. I, I feel like, especially in, in our context in Roxbury, sometimes I get into conflict with people, and I think, I don't want to love you right now, much less die for you, and yet God did that for us. To further illustrate this love, I'm going to hand it off to Alyssa, who's going to take you through her testimony and how she experienced that love. Awesome.
0: Am I on? You can hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? A little bit. Okay. Sorry. Microphones. <laughs> When I came to college, I'm from Western Mass. When I came to college in Boston, um, I'm from this area, and I was all set. (laughs) Anybody hear that? Whenever they want to talk to somebody about Jesus or pray for them, like, I'm all set. Uh, It was definitely all set, especially in this area of love. I have a great family. My parents are awesome. uh, And I had a boyfriend from high school that I had been dating for, like, five years when I came to college. So guess what? I, did, I was good. I was all set. Uh, until I wasn't. Until he dumped me. And uh, that was exactly what God needed for me to know that I actually needed the unconditional love of Jesus through that justification. I had to understand that story. And when I was in college, I got invited to church from some friends who were in my life group. And it was kickoff Sunday. I know you had this coming up, so get pumped for new students coming in. It was my first Sunday at uh, formerly known as CFCF. That was what this church used to be called, in case you didn't know that. And uh, I can't remember what the message was, but the associate pastor at the end shared the gospel. They shared this story of justification, like that Jesus' blood had covered all of my sins, and I was able to walk in newness and fullness of life. And I said, yes, please, because I'm a mess, and I need unconditional love. And that was just the beginning of my sanctification process, like Tim was talking about. Um, The continual sanctification process, right? To look and act and sound more like Jesus. And that really happens in these suffering cycles that Paul talks about in Romans 5. So verse 3 says, not only so, but we glorify in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And so, suffering, for me, has not been marked by necessarily any high trauma or a, like, catastrophic event in my life. Um, That might be where you have experienced suffering. Um, But actually, the amplified version of the Bible uh, uses the words hardship, distress, pressure. That's definitely something that I've experienced and where I've seen God bring me through these cycles of sanctification um, and to look more like him, you know. And so, for me... Um, my family, like my, when I was coming out of college, I'm not sure if any of you experienced this, but my mom had a really hard time not being involved in my decision-making process and not liking the decisions that I was making. That was really hard. I had never had that experience before. Um, after I had my first child, I had se- severe postpartum anxiety. That was a season of suffering. That was really hard and also just losing family members to death, right? Those are some, just some examples of what suffering might look like for you.
1: Great, so suffering, part of the purpose of suffering is to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus. This is very countercultural, particularly for my job. Part of my job is looking for people's pain points and what they do every day and trying to get rid of them getting rid of pain points, or we say eliminating friction. Getting the suffering out of life is what a lot of designers focus on, and yet God uses suffering to make us more like Jesus, to sanctify us, to set us apart. Another way that we're perhaps familiar with this term, if, if you've gone through some sort of athletic training or weightlifting, you probably heard the terms, no pain, no gain. Or as my mother used to say when we were complaining a lot, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Uh, not to say that those idioms aren't often abused uh, or used incorrectly, but we do see truth in the strengthening and the refinement that comes through adversity. Nobody enjoys the refiner's fire to burn away impurities like no one enjoys discipline in the moment, but it brings Sanctification. It brings refinement. And so that's what I want to think about as we're reflecting on suffering this morning. But how do you persevere? How do you press on through suffering in the moment? That's where hope really comes in. We're having a discussion with one of our house church parishioners. That seems like such a formal way of saying it. Um, Enyo was joining us. She goes to law school with Katie. Uh, Enya was joining us for dinner, and we were talking about hope. I said, hope is like this long-term vision that enables you to see beyond the pain of your current suffering. I had a previous manager at work, uh, his name was Eric, and Eric said, Tim, I'm okay with a bumpy ride as long as I'm going someplace nice. And then he quit. To be fair, that was a few years later when he quit, but why did he quit? Why did he quit? He lost the vision. Work became hopeless. We, on the other hand, we have this hope that does not disappoint because we have tasted and seen. Who has tasted and seen the goodness of God? Anyone? Amen. Come on,
0: can we get a (laughs) (laughs) hooty-hoo? Well, we're going to uh, go into our third part here. It was uh, how, why, and now it's for whom. This is really why John asked me to preach because this is my jam. <laughs> um, you know Paul's story, right? Like if you've, been, if you've served in kids or you've been in kids' ministry, you know that Paul had a dramatic conversion and life on mission. We know Peter's vision, which happens in Acts before this where the walls have been torn down between Jew and Gentile. We sang that. It was in part of our songs this morning. And so I think that we all know in the back of our mind, which we're bringing to the front today, that this is not just for you. <laughs> it's just not. And I think a lot of times in the Western church especially, we get really comfortable in knowing we've been justified, even going through these processes of sanctification with our, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we forget like Tim said, that this letter was not just for an individual person, but this is for the people of Christ and the people who Jesus died for, which is not just the person next to you. It's the people out there. It's the people that you work with. It's the people that live next door to you or go to school with, right? So at this, in this passage, um, in 5.11, it says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Now this could be like a whole sermon or series here about what it means to be a friend of the creator, of our savior, of our king, and of our priest. But we're going to focus on a few pieces of this. Now a friend is someone who you want to be around. And a friend is someone who wants to be, you want around other people too. I've been learning a lot about this from my kids, actually, because they're beginning to have friendships with people they're, like, choosing, not just people that I make them play with or, like, that are my friends' kids. And it's really interesting to watch how they see friendships, who they want to be around. And kids don't really have the baggage that we have with relationships, right? Like, rejection, unresolved conflict, hurt. Like, that stuff is real, but we, we're not born with that perception of friendship. Having a friend when you're three or four or five is really new and exciting and really pure. I see this every time, every single time we leave our house to go anywhere, and Silas asks, can you text Auntie Aisha and see if Amelia and Royce can come with us? Like Silas, we're going to the post office. I don't think that they want to go. What well, can you just text them and see? They really want to be with their friends, and All situations and circumstances. Life is better when your friends are around. And when they get home from a park or scootering around Roxbury with these friends, I have to hear all about it. Any other parents in here like get all the details? Again, it stops as they get older and you hear nothing. But we're talking about little kids and they just like first worsted this and then he went across the street and we went to this park and then and I'm like "Uh uh-huh because they really want me to know about what they did and who their friends are. They love their friends. Well, Jesus calls us friends. Do you wanna be around him? Are you asking every moment or part of your day if you can be with him? And even more so, are you telling everyone around you about him? Something else I've learned from my kids, something I like to call the overflow, Again, as adults, we learn to put things in boxes. Part of this is just developmental mentally, and part of it is for protection. We like to know how things are supposed to be and who fits where and what goes where. But that's not really how kids are when they're little. It's not really how we're born. The younger they are, the fewer social norms they know and fewer boxes they have. Kids share everything with everyone. Another example of my younger child, uh, we were at my nephew's first birthday a few weeks ago, and he turned one, and so my sister's in-laws were there, so my kids have seen them a few times, but we're not, they live in Ohio, we're not super close with them, um, and Ezra runs in the room, and my brother-in-law's mom says, Ezra, you're getting so big, and he says, yeah, I can pee on the downstairs potty all by myself now, Cool. Thanks for sharing that with almost a complete stranger. They they don't really have boxes of, like, who you should tell what things about. And it's also really sweet because it's the same with their faith. They have not put their faith in a box. What they know about Jesus, what they've experienced about Jesus, they're going to tell anyone and everyone. Kids at the park, my sister-in-law's, mom's. Bad, like they just, they, they are. It's very much a part of how they communicate and how they engage with people. No one told them that was wrong. No one told them they did a bad job. No one told them that that was private. Those are things that we learn. So one of my prayers for us today and in invitations when we get into a response in a few minutes is to kind of tap into those places of friendship with Jesus so that we also operate out of the overflow. And then the last part I want to say this morning about who this is for I think um, you guys have touched on kind of fear of man and how we operate with people, how we love people well, and I, I love that. And so now you guys are professionals in that, which I'm so psyched about, in Jesus' name. Um, and one, one thing that I've also been learning about this with our kids and how we have been doing community in Roxbury is people aren't your project. And now that might not be something you think, like, you're aware of you, how you think, but oftentimes when we talk about sharing Jesus with people, that's what we're thinking about. Who's my project? And how do I get an A on this? How do I do it right? Right? And they're not. They're people. They're friends of Jesus too. Or at least they want. he wants to be their friend. He desires a relationship with them. He wants them to know his unconditional love. And as, if we are not aware of that in our own lives, it's very hard to have an overflow of that. To the people around us, right? In Roxbury, one of the tools that we've used for several years is called the Focus 5, right? Anybody get on Focus 5? Uh, some of you might have heard this if you were at one of the Super Saturdays, uh, April. It was a training we had on kind of having spiritual conversations with people. And the Focus 5 is just a way to intentionally be natural. <laughs> There's this phrase, it's like you can't, nothing comes naturally until it's intentional, right? So again, like you're trying to check a box and like love your neighbor, uh, it's not going to work, right? If you're praying for them every single day, the focus five is asking Holy Spirit, who are five people you want me to pray for every day. Doesn't have to be complicated. Doesn't even have to be praying for them when they're there, right? It's just like, I'm going to commit to praying for these people every day. That level of intentionality opens your eyes to what God's already doing in their life and also how you can just share your life with them in a natural way, because you're aware. You're aware in the spiritual realm. You're aware in the natural, because you're working with them or you're seeing with them. And so it doesn't become a project. It becomes honesty and authentic. And the other part of this is not letting people be a project, Um, is yes, you've been justified, but remember, you're still being sanctified. You're, You're not in the glory yet. And that's often the air that we give off and we're trying to love people. Sometimes that's the overflow is, I'm good. I'm all all set. (laughs) I've been justified. I'm all set. But actually, when we show people, like, really our struggles and our vulnerability and walk with people in our own suffering, then they're really able to see who the friend of Jesus is because he's in the midst of it with you, right? And so that's just another piece. As you're praying for your focus five people, God's highlighting things for them you're also letting the Holy Spirit highlight things that you need to be sharing with them. Maybe you need to reach out and ask for them to do a favor for you. It takes a level of humility and vulnerability that is in the cross, you know. And so I'm going to have the band come up, actually. And we're going to, I'm just going to highlight a few ways that you might uh, want to respond to the Lord today. One of my favorite things about gathering as a church is not necessarily even hearing the preacher or the worship because you can you can do that on YouTube <laughs> but we get to be here and hear the Holy Spirit and respond together with one another for one another also and so that's the space that's going to happen right now and for th- our three points today when Tim was sharing how you were saved I already mentioned this again but and Tim said this but he on my line if it is not rock you that you have been justified by the blood of Jesus you need to hear it again today you need to sit with the Holy Spirit and sit with Jesus and walk through the gospel tell yourself the gospel afresh because if that if there is unsettling there or you haven't fully understood the grasp of that again we're all part of that is understanding and sanctification but like you were we were pulled out of the miry clay people <laughs> like on a solid ground. You have a friend that does not leave or forsake you. You have a savior whose blood was shed for you, for us, for them. So if that's something that you're like, I need to wrestle with that today, I need to receive that afresh, please do that. That's an invitation this morning. If you have never done that before, if you're like, I'm just hearing about this Jesus, that he gets to be my Lord and Savior and I get to follow him, please tell someone you came with. because that, you If you're just learning about justification and what, what Jesus did for you, today is your day, my friend. Today is your day to say, yes, I will leave that in faith, saved by grace, in faith. And I want to walk through this process of sanctification so that I can be made whole and new and more like Jesus for those people out there. The second one is why love? Tim mentioned that and brought that up and we really do feel like that's a word from the Lord this morning. There's an invitation to receive the love of God today. The Father in heaven really does love you. It really does. Recently we've been praying to daddy and our kids think it's so funny because it's uncomfortable. Your daddy loves you. If that's uncomfortable for you to pray to God as daddy or friend, maybe you need a fresh receiving of his love today for you. And finally, as I mentioned before, if if you feel like the Holy Spirit has been putting people on your heart or on your mind or you're seeing some people regularly, you feel like, actually, I think they need to know the love of Jesus. Be praying for them this morning. Ask the Holy Spirit for your focus five. Who are those people that God's allowing you, inviting you into to share the overflow of this message, of this whole book of Romans that, yes, we are sinners. We've been justified. And now we get to walk in this journey of sanctification. Will you stand while I pray? And um, I know there's some powerful, prophetic prayer people in here. Please be released to pray and pray for people around you. Please ask for prayer if you need it. Take, this is a this is a holy space this is holy ground and when you leave it's not gonna be here anymore <laughs> i mean holy spirit's going with you but this is what church does right we have some leaders in roxbury too who are ready and willing to pray today so pray with me and then be obedient to what the holy spirit is asking you god we love you jesus we're so grateful for your yes we're grateful that you said yes to the cross the shedding of your blood for us in this room and every other person that walks the face of the earth. We thank you that we get to be in community where we can walk through suffering together and persevere, build character, maturity, all with this lens of hope of you, Jesus. But the world does not have that. The world is suffering without that perspective. And so Holy Spirit, would you put people on our minds and on our hearts today, for you're inviting us into walking with them and sharing our own journey of suffering? And Holy Spirit, we ask that the love of God would just pour down today. We're asking for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That we would have revelation of how much you love us, God, and how much you love them.